0: to another episode of Everything 3P and another fun topic, and that is the, the person that is coming after me <laughs> uh, says that the first sales doctrine does not apply. And we, we've got that a lot, right? The The, the first sales doctrine will, will send a notice or a cease and desist and they go, hey, I could, I could sell this perfectly because it's the first sales doctrine. So, David, I'm just wondering, first of all, what is a first sales doctrine and why do people use that as a defense? And then third, why doesn't it apply in these well, circumstances, different circumstances? Yeah, Maurice, this is a great question.
1: This is <laughs> I, I, think, I think I get, um, you, you know there's a lot of responses we get to a lot of the, the the documents we send out i don't like to always use enforcement documents or cease and desist it's a notice to notice to to start a conversation to see if there's a level that we can amicably move forward right um but people like to say it's a demand or cease and desist letter so for the sake of this call that's what it is our favorite can response we get back is that Um, you can't do this. The first sale doctrine applies. I could sell this product. It's mine. You can go to H-E double toothpicks, whatever it is. Okay. And go pound sand, as I always like to say. Well, so what the first sale doctrine is, this goes way back in the day. I might misquote a few things in here, but I had the privilege to work at a very, very large law firm for some time and some attorneys that are a lot smarter than I am. And I learned a lot. And what the first sale doctrine is, I think it goes back to the 1908 Sherman Act. And it basically allows, says, if you acquire the product legitimately, you have the right to resell that product. Okay. Um, so basically it, it, the first sale doctrine or downstream commerce allows me to buy and sell. Now, a lot of times people can't see me on the call right now, but I'm holding up a Starbucks cup. Okay. Let's say I bought this Starbucks cup. It's a mug. And, uh, I don't like it and I wanna resell it. That's kind of what the intent was. There was a level of intellectual property transferred to me when I bought this mug. I own this mug, it's mine. It has logos on it, whatever, but I wanna go and resell it because it's just not for me. I have the right to go and resell that. That's really what it comes down to be. Because nobody back, you go back a hundred years, nobody really looked at it going, I'm gonna get me 17 pallets of this and sell it on a marketplace and have millions of customers. So, the law hasn't changed too much since then. Now, fast forward to today. Very smart attorneys, smarter than me, that really look at this and go, okay, first sale doctrine does apply. However, you acquired the product legitimately. So, let us know how you acquired the product. A lot of times they don't want to do that. They want to, you know, they're like, no, just trust me, I did. Okay. Well, (laughs) we don't know that. But let's say you did provide the information and it's a legitimate product and you acquired it through distribution. But you're unauthorized you're not an authorized sales channel you're not approved to be a reseller the manufacturer now is in a position where it's like okay he acquired it legitimately but he's not part of our authorized channel so he has the right to sell the product we agree with that however we can as the manufacturer at some level dictate into what fashion he sells that product so for this instance i'm gonna talk about like a consumable product okay this will start making some sense to third-party sellers as we go through. So let's say it's a dietary supplement, right? Whether it's, a, it's something you mix or something you take as a, as a supplement. Well, if you're an authorized reseller of that product, part of the reseller agreements, and I've written hundreds of these, part of these are going to be, there's a level of material handling, right? Maybe it has to be stored a certain way, shipped a certain way. Maybe it does have to be cold or not. Um, maybe it can't be in the sun. Uh, maybe it has a very short shelf life, so it could have expiration dates on that. What if it's an FDA-approved product, and because they're approved by FDA for the Food and Drug Administration, what if there's a recall or a product that they have to recall? If you're unauthorized, they can't initiate a recall because they don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. These are types of things that now you can say you have the right to resell it, but we can say in what fashion. So the courts have actually upheld this federally that if, if you're unauthorized or not part of the authorized reseller network, you can sell your product, but you can't sell it as new because the benefits of that product are not transferred to you like a warranty. And then the recall notices or the material handling, you, the manufacturer cannot be held liable to stand behind a product that they don't know who you are They don't know how you're handling the product. They don't know how you're shipping it. They don't know what claims you're making about that product, positive or negative. So the manufacturer does not have to stand behind it. So the courts have ruled, okay, sell it as used like new and put the caveat on that, that we're not authorized. We're not an authorized resell of this product. And then you can state it's still new, it's unopened, it hasn't expired, but it it shifts that product over. So the manufacturer absolutely has the right to then enforce product being sold as new versus used. And I could see a, see a, a couple of questions on, on, your, uh, on your mind right now, Maurice, that you're going to ask because <laughs> third-party sellers ask us all the time. And it's very true. People don't always read Amazon's own terms and conditions and their own guidelines. And I would very much encourage them. And I, I had the privilege to work on the largest federal um, case in U.S. history, as it pertains to some of this stuff and had to testify to these, Amazon changes their terms and conditions and their selling categories um, quite frequently. But one thing that's been stayed very steady over the last 10 years is what new is. They very clearly state in their own terms and conditions and their categories that if you sell a product as new, it comes with the full manufacturer's warranty, okay? Now, every manufacturer that we work with, they have a non-transferable warranty in place. That means that their product, and it states on their website and it states on, on, in, in their agreements that we only warranty products that are sold through an authorized reseller. Now, think about that. If you're not authorized and you're selling it as new on Amazon, no warranty applies, which now means you're not in compliance with Amazon as an unauthorized seller selling as new. So when we enforce on that, You need to make that decision because we have the right now to engage Amazon to ask them to shut that down or move it to use like new, or we're asking you to move it to use like new because um, of the things that are in place. And Amazon will listen to us a lot of times, especially when it's a consumable, because there's liability issues all the way around. Now, that being said, for all the third-party sellers that are on there, I know 85% of all conversions happen in the buy box. Buy box is only new. So when you move it to use like new, there's little issues that you're going to run into. I understand that. That goes to one of our other podcasts we did a while back, Maurice, where it's like, make sure the products you're acquiring and the products you buy, you have the most opportunity to sell that product legitimately at the right way. So if you get this and you're pushed, whether it's Amazon or we push it to use like new, where we have the rights to do that and your conversions and sales go down, you have to then understand, well, that's not our fault. We're not the bad guy. You could have looked and seen that as well.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And It's, it's, it's great words of wisdom because um, I remember when I first started this, this game that, um, that that first sales doctrine was, it, it, it threw me for a loop too. I go, wait, what? Why can't I do that? But when you put it up to those guarantees, how it's handled, so on and so forth, There is a lot of actually it's it's meant to protect you as well as a third party. And I'm not just saying that to say that I'm uh, looking at uh, what we've seen, especially in animal health as of late. Man, that's a big deal. Or or even makeup, man. (laughs) That, That little thing that went about that they the the teens put put the stuff that was on their face and they started breaking out. Turned out that the base was some kind of animal feces or something like that, right? Well,
1: <laughs> it's even Maurice too. I worked with one of the largest battery manufacturers in the country. And um, I didn't, sometimes you take some of this for granted, right? Yeah. Batteries, you know, just take the, the a pallet of AAA batteries. If that sits in a hot warehouse with a lot of humidity for three months before it gets moved out, yeah. you just killed the, the the life expectancy and dramatically reduced the effectiveness of those batteries. Yeah. It says in their agreements, stored in a cool, dry place, not in the sun. It needs to travel a certain way. Well, mm-hmm. why why does the manufacturer force to stand behind full warranty for all their products when it was not actually handled or stored in, in the way that they're recommending it? So you got millions of batteries out there that have 30% capacity that the manufacturer then has to replace because somebody acquired the product out of Jamaica yeah. and, and got it back in the United States. And now they're sitting here with upset customers. So that's that consumer confidence issues that happen. And, and people don't look at it that way. They just think it, I bought a shoe, who cares? I'm going to sell a shoe. Right. Yeah, it's a shoe. I get it. Right. But what if it's something that actually the warranty really needs is important? The recalls are there. The health and hazard are there. Well, you know, what if there's a lot of expired product? And people need to understand when you go to um, Target and you go to the end caps at Target and you see all the supplements there, they didn't just move the supplements there because, oh, let's just move it out. Odds are it's expiring within a week or two. People buy those up and then ship them into Amazon. Sits in Amazon maybe for a couple months, then the person gets it and is expired. Now you got an ODR claim. Now you got, I'm not gonna take this because it's expired. Then it's Amazon's problem or it's a third-party seller's problem. Call the manufacturer. Manufacturer's like, where did you buy it from? Bought it from Amazon XYZ Maurice. We don't even know them. That's not our product. The consumer confidence goes down. Amazon goes down that third-party seller.
0: Nobody wins in that. So knowledge is everything. Man, you know, as long as I've known you, you never gave me that battery example. It's so much more sense that way. That's a whole other podcast, Maurice, but
1: products made for export out of this country, it's amazing that when you think of a container of batteries Uh can leave the United States, circle the globe on a ship and come back to the United States and still sell cheaper than others because it's made cheaper for another market. I mean, it it happens all the time. We see it with honey. Honey is highly... Um, we have restrictions on Chinese honey. We have restriction on Indian honey. And then that stuff will come around, hit another port, change the containers, and then come back to the United States. I mean, So it's amazing the things that I see, the battery instance, and that's why a lot of manufacturers, a lot of third-party sellers, this is a good point, and we'll dive into this later. If product is manufactured for another market, and you have it, and you go to sell in the United States, I can enforce on that as if it's illicit goods or even counterfeit because wow. it was made for another market and not authorized to be sold in the United States. A lot of times you don't know that. So you get these batteries and it's in Korean. Right, not, right, not, that's, right, That's not authorized in the United States. And, and you know, Lord knows if it's Korean writing on there where and when and how long ago was that manufactured and what's the expiration date on a battery, right? Because they do have a life expectancy. So just know as a third-party seller, when you're acquiring this product, just make sure if it's a consumable, whether it's a consumable battery or, or makeup or anything you put in or on your body, make sure you're in compliance because Amazon takes it seriously and I can promise you the manufacturers, they do too, or you and I wouldn't be here, Maurice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And again, thank you for, for explaining the first sales doctrine, but also for giving us the next topic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the first sales. Hey, thank you everyone for listening. Once again, any questions, um, or, or help that you need, please contact us at the information in the description below. Take care.